0: Good afternoon. It's 5 p.m. UK time. I'm broadcasting my second uh, live webcast from um, Guthrie Castle uh, in my office. As you can see, uh, behind me is the uh, CNN or CNBC, I'm not sure which. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of a panoramic view of my office later and you might even walk into a couple of other parts of the castle. Uh, am I on? So whoever says I am on, okay, I'm on. Good. Um, I have several things I'd like to cover this hour, in addition to answering your questions. Um, I got some early questions from some people, and I uh, try to bring them all together and uh, and, and answer uh, um, them all at once, so to speak. But a lot of people want to know, even though it's been on my website and been on uh, newsletters countless times not counselors, but many times is um, where I would start. If I had to start all over again, I'd start uh, uh, in healthcare and telecommunications. But having said that, whether you start in healthcare, telecommunications or whatever business you're in, there's certain things that you need to do. Excuse my back for a second, my notes. And and those are, um, you need to fill a niche. You need to have a unique selling proposition that has, in my opinion, big margins. And the reason I always tell the kids, which I call you all the kids, that you need big margins, is that we're not that good of managers, even in the beginning. Even though I've been doing this almost 40 years, I'm still not an absolutely terrific manager like Jack Welch was, or is for that matter. And so you want big margins so you can make mistakes and still have good profit. Um, You also would like a barrier to entry. In other words, some business that doesn't allow any Tom Dick and Harry to go into the business. And uh, that's the problem with the internet. Even though I love the internet and it's part of telecommunications and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people to market to, there's no barrier to entry. Anybody can put up a site, anybody can get a credit card, anybody can get uh, advertising on Google, and even though it's more difficult because they continue to change the algorithms, etc., there's no real barrier to entry. But what differentiates you is with your dream team, as I talk about in my book and my newsletters, your anchor chairman. And the people that are advising you that differentiates you from er- the other people, and so that's your artificial barrier to entry. Because with a dream team, you have a track record, a track record. Uh, and um, I was asked a question on one of the emails that came in before the, the webcast started: Is what differentiates a millionaire from a billionaire? And I thought about it a minute, and uh, without question, it's laser beam focus. It's the big guys, the the thousand or so plus billionaires in the world are laser-beam focused. Bill Gates was laser-beam focused, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, Richard Branson, uh, the, the guys who founded uh, Google, etc. They were laser-beam focused, and they only they, they, they devoted all their time to one thing. Uh, and before you even start, you have to have an exit plan. You want, What's your exit plan? Will it be a, a industry sale? Is somebody else in the same industry that you start your business? Or will it be an IPO? Uh, but you already have to be planning towards your exit before you start the business. Now um, I was asked a question about a service industries and all the things I just said are applicable to service industries <coughs> uh, and as my old friend Jay Abraham would say and I mean this sincerely you know the secret to marketing is test small and roll out big. You find a formula that works on a small scale and you roll it out big. The internet is a perfect example. I mean you can test almost anything. Uh, and I've been involved in several internet businesses and in, uh, for the last 10 years. Um, but I mean, you need to test, and the testing normally costs money. And most of the marketing gurus leave that part of it out. They don't tell you that testing costs money. Um, I want to say uh, hello to Father George. I want to say hello to Mother Superior. Um, yes, I am. I am into holiness. I have some uh, uh, spiritual uh, followers. Um, and I just returned our trip from Transylvania or Bulgaria and Romania. Transylvania is in uh, Romania. It's one of the places i would never been in. I was, had some business in Bulgaria, Sofia, so I went across to uh, saw Menti there in Romania, which I really enjoyed very much. And I saw the, um, uh, the birthplace of the impaler, Vlad uh, Dracula. And in fact, I have a, a hat here house of Dracula, I actually stayed in the hotel. So since I've been accused in my earlier days of my career that I was uh, either of the hunt or Dracula, I wanted to go see where this guy lived. Um, now what I'd, I'd like to uh, talk about, and I talked about it quite extensively in my last uh, newsletter from about two weeks ago, about regrets and how we go through life and when we get older we have regrets. Uh, um, In fact, I've been talking to my own children about this. My daughter and my son. i talked to both today. My son in Shanghai and my daughter in New York City. But um, we don't focus on it when we're young because we think we have the rest of our lives to deal with. uh, Life. And it's just like I'm wearing my Superman t-shirt here uh, because when we're young, we think we're Superman and we don't think anything's going to affect us. And we think that we have all our lives to get these things done. And as I've told some of my younger mentees, the ones in their 20s and early 30s, act as if you have no time limit, but act as if you have to get it done right now, as soon as humanly possible, not just ASAP. And uh, you'll find that you'll get a lot of, a lot of projects done more quickly. Uh, I, I mentioned the last uh, webcast, and I apologize for not having the webcast a couple weeks ago, but as you've read in my newsletter, I just had my sling taken off, this um, arm. Uh, about three days ago, and I'm just doing physiotherapy. I have three titanium anchor bolts with titanium threads holding my rotator cuff together, and I snapped my bicep muscle, and um, so um, I'm just, I can almost get it up that high now. But I apologize for having to cancel it, because I wanted to do it from the Galapagos Islands, which I've had to postpone that trip. But now I find out there's no really connectivity from the Galapagos Islands because there's not enough bandwidth, I think is, is what I'm trying to say. So um, it's just as well I'm giving it here from Guthrie Castle, which is the home of our course our Guthrie Castle Seminar. And has uh, been my home for uh, more than 25 years. And uh, the home of my children. Uh, my daughter was born not too many miles from here. Um, the um, It's... I'm looking at the questions here. Hello from California, hello from Austria, hello from Germany. Yes, I am on. Please log in to upstream to ask questions. Somebody's telling somebody else. Um, the uh, In my recent trip, um, it was interesting to note that most people that are thinking about starting a business, they have a business idea. The points that I just brought up about four or five minutes ago vis-a-vis the um, what's the barrier to entry? Uh, how big are the profit margins? I want to give an example. Retail is a very tough industry. Retail operates at one or two percent margins. I've never been successful at retail, so I stay away from it. Manufacturing is also a very thin-margin business, and you have to really be a good manager to, to run a manufacturing operation that's successful. And so I've stay I've tried to guide myself and my students, proteges, mentees, whatever you want to call them towards big margin businesses. And when I drill down and I ask questions of these kids, and I call you all kids because I'm older than all of you, um, how is it that you expect to make money because what's the gross margin? A lot of times they don't even know. Their planning hasn't even gone far enough to tell you that, tell them I should say, what the margin is. And uh, if you don't understand what the margin is of the business on the gross side and on the net side, then you have no business entertaining, um, going into it. And especially because the whole QLA philosophy uh, is based on other people's money, you have no business taking an investor's money uh, and um, putting it in something you don't even know the, the gross margin is or the net margin. Yet, um, I get business proposals all the time, all the time, where they don't understand that concept. Uh, they also don't understand if you can't be first in something you know you've got to be different you have to have a unique selling proposition you have to have something that differentiates you from the, the millions of people especially for you guys that want to make money on the net you've got to be different I mean uh, I was with a internet guru a couple of days in Romania and he understood that the, the, the business changes not monthly but weekly and in some cases hourly because somebody can replicate or duplicate what you're doing on the internet in you know, 20 minutes, an hour, uh, just by copying and pasting. So you have to have a unique selling proposition. You have to be so so much different. When I first became a a business coach in 1993, uh, my unique selling proposition, uh, and I said it at a J. Abraham seminar in February 1993, and friends of mine like Bruce Whipple and Bro Crump were there, I am the only at that time the only business coach that didn't make his money by putting asses on seminar seats and writing books and selling product. I had made my money in the real world and I had created and almost 50 million million in the real world in a little less than eight years. And that differentiated me greatly. It still differentiates me, although guys like Mr. Trump now uh, have a, 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 The Apprentice and stuff like that. But I mean, for people that are Really coaching themselves, coaching, not just selling their brand. I'm still the only guy that I know of that has created um, uh, that kind of wealth from scratch $800 in a, a lease fax machine. My guarantee used to be if you can find somebody that has earned or created more wealth from scratch than I have, I will retire immediately, I will buy first class tickets for the group that shows me this person, and we will go to his seminar or her seminar or their seminar at my expense, first class. Well, needless to say, uh, nobody's ever found that person, uh, or I would have done what I said I was going to do. Another question that was asked about raising capital. I get a lot of questions about how how is it different now in 2010 vis-a-vis the market and what has happened. Uh, to the financial markets that have dried up or tightened up. Even though the government has told you to lend money, they're still not lending money. Um, and I still believe this, and um, although I don't give Raising Capital Seminars anymore, I have a section in it in the castle Seminar, is that I used to have another guarantee. If you make two financial presentations a week to two different financial institutions, if you don't raise the money in six months, I will then raise the money for you, and if you don't raise the money in a year, I'll give you your money back on the Raising Capital Seminar. Again, from 1995 when I first gave the first financial uh, Raising Capital Seminar to about 2002 or three, no, four or five, when I stopped giving the Raising Capital Seminars, I had not one person that fulfilled that guarantee by either not raising the money or me having to go raise the money, because if you make two financial presentations for 26 weeks and 52 presentations, even though the first few presentations aren't going to be very good, you'll raise the money. Uh, And it's no different now. Uh, When I had my conference call with the recent April Castle Seminar attendees uh, about a week ago, um, they found that even though they were being turned down by banks it wasn't because they, the banks didn't like the deals it's because the banks that they were going to, in this case that I'm thinking of was um, in Germany, uh, the banks didn't weren't big enough to fund the projects uh, because there is money there and uh, right now because people are so afraid of venturing out into the financial industry there's more money being dealt out to less people because of that, and uh, the, uh, it's it's those the greasy wheel get uh, the greasy wheel gets the oil, and it's no different now uh, than it uh, has been. Um, I see my uh, my my youngest son, the, my MBA anointed son, uh, just signed on. Um, the, um, uh, I think it's cute, his, uh, his name, his uh, handle, or whatever it's called, is Living Large, because that's what he wants to do uh, in the financial world, live large. So, hello, Derek. Um, the, uh, so, the financial institutions are still there, and the people that are cold calling on financial institutions have shrunk, and I'm just picking a number item, I'm not saying this number is accurate at all, but let's say 100,000 people in the United States or in the EU were cold calling three years ago. Well now, 2,000 are cold calling because they've been so beaten up in their own business, they've been so beaten up vis-à-vis what they hear on the news, they've been bo- bo- so beaten up by listening to their, their, their friends, family, uh, cousins, whatever, that they don't do it. And I, I guarantee, the one guarantee I do make in life is if you don't make the call, you won't get the money. Bruce Whipple, a mentee of mine for a long, long time, good friend, he says, you don't know unless you ask. And those are uh, uh, prolific words, sounds pretty simple for an engineer, uh, but uh, it's true, if you don't ask, you won't get. And uh, the uh, Father George and friends, uh, the, uh, my, my, one of my priest mentees, I don't know, Father, if you've got um, the webcast going in the, um, in the church or in the monastery, uh, but I sell it to all the uh, parishioners anyway, um, the, um, and some people might ask, "How come you have priests that are your mentees and how come you have uh, sister superiors, Catholic nuns? And it's because QA works very well in business. It works very well in money and it's what the basis of, the, of what high-performance people do. But it also works very well in other aspects of your life. It works, uh, you know, uh, in your home life. Although I didn't use it that way. Um, in fact, when I talked about regrets, I have two regrets. Biggest regrets. I wish that I had treated my mother not more nicely because uh, she was a great mom. She gave me my self-esteem, and I wish that I had spent more time with my kids when they were little. Uh, but I can't go back, and I can't recreate that. That's that's history now. But um, the people use the QLA. I have people that have lost 175 pounds using QLA. I've had people that have saved their marriage using QLA. I have people that have run for public office and won using QLA. Uh, uh, the, the, the easier metaphors is I've had people on uh, world champion basketball teams uh, use QLA. Um, the um, it's, it's understandable. Uh, that in business that I have pushed so hard for 15, 16 of the last 17 years that I've coached is money oriented but it also works in other aspects of uh, uh, your lives and and, and as you said, and saw in my newsletter uh, in the last couple years uh, I've, I've used it to do good with orphanages and I know priests and I know nuns and when I knew them before when they were you know, beating me slapping my hand with a ruler when I was going to school but now I know them uh, uh, both in a humanitarian way and a professional way. So it works for everything. And, um, because self-esteem is the most important thing, thats at the top of my list here, you, you can't see it. Self-esteem is the most important thing for success in all aspects of life. Um, we normally have built our self-esteem in the first six to eight years of life and normally who are you with the first six to eight years of life? Your mom, and in most cases, less your father. In my kid's case, almost 100%, uh, I was not there when they were little. But you build your self-esteem, and then you create opportunities with your self-esteem as you get bigger. One of the things that I talk a lot about in the seminar is Freud has a a saying, or not a saying, but he says, look at the child between 3 and 6 and 7 and 8 years old. They believe in Santa Claus. They believe in the tooth fairy they uh, they believe in all these things that that adults don't believe in they're happy they, they they speak up when they're not supposed to they you know they do things off the cuff and what happens to them as they go from three to six to eight and then into uh, adolescence and then into adulthood they change they get beaten up by life they get beaten up by the world uh, and uh, the The more they get beaten up, then they become a turtle with their head tucked in. And the turtle can't move forward with its head tucked in. Um, And then pretty soon, they never go up to swing at the plate. Uh, And they become an individual, an adult, that's leading a quiet life of desperation. I've said, I think, in the last webcast and in my newsletter, recent newsletters, people only make change for two reasons, one of two reasons. Inspiration or desperation. And most people are not inspired. Most people are changed because they're desperate. And um, if I've learned anything over the last 17 years of coaching is that the, the unique selling proposition that I have is to show the individuals a way to get beyond that desperation. Because once you get your head, once you're happy with yourself you can be happy with others, and you can be focused, and you can be lazy to be focused. Um, let's see. Uh, what's up? Okay, I have a long time. to talk. So I think the current situation with banks. Okay, give a current situation with banks. I, I started to, but I'll finish that. The banks have more okay. money today to lend than they did post-financial collapse 2008-2009. The problem is they're not putting it out. They're not putting it out because sooner or later they're going to have to mark to the market their assets. Many of them have already marked to the market their assets. And they're afraid that their balance sheets are going to be uh, impaired greatly. And a lot of them already have had their balance sheets impaired. A thing that's influencing the uh, both uh, more so in the U.S. market than the U.K. market is the housing market in the United States uh, has collapsed and, and is continuing to show bad numbers. But and many portfolios have had to march to the market for that, but now what they're concerned about, and what I've said for the last couple of years, is that the potential for the commercial real estate market to collapse is even greater than the, the uh, individual housing market. If and when the commercial real estate market collapses, the big, huge loans that are being carried on the books of all the financial institutions are going to have to be written down. And we're going to have a whole other phase of banks that go out of business. And so, what the banks are doing is they're trying to keep their cash uh, ready, uh, so they don't have to be put in a position as banks were a year, year and a half ago, where they took government money and then they were forced to run their banks under uh, the, the, the dictating uh, uh, principles of the U.S. government. Pretty soon, or it's not now. I think it's official. Sixty-five or sixty-eight percent of of uh, all health care is government-run because of the uh, new uh, proposals that were accepted by Congress. It never ceases to amaze me, now that I'm 65 and I celebrated my 65th birthday recently, as I said in the newsletter, most of the American uh, public are against the new healthcare reform, yet it was passed. Now, the chances are we're going to have a huge referendum uh, disapproval in the next elections in the United States come uh, in the next month or two, um, as we did in the early 90s. And uh, ostensibly the Democrats are going to get thrown out, or the ones that that, that, uh, voted for that, and the Republicans, or whoever didn't vote for it, are going to be voted in. Um, But, and I hope and pray that there is some change, but my intuition tells me that the chances for big change aren't very likely they're not very likely, uh, because once you get into office, you do what it takes to, to keep you there. Maybe we've got a new, uh, a new generation of politicians, but uh, I don't think so. Um, oh, Father George says he needs to uh, invite me to his webcam. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, some more guys from Germany. Um, the, um, let's see if I can answer another question. Oh, one of the things I I have three books on my desk that I started that are on my to-do list to read. One is a recommendation by uh, Andrew Reed, a mentee who just competed in the world championship. um, I want to say dragon racing, the big canoes in Macau, Uh, and um, so he's a a world-class athlete. And this book is called by Norman Doidge, D-O-I-D-G-E, the brain that changes itself. And I just started reading, and it's very good. Um, another book that I just started reading that i never read and I'm surprised, um, which is not very business oriented it's called Chariots of the Gods, about how we all got here and uh, the conspiracy theory that uh, says that uh, aliens were here first. Uh, and uh, this, doc- this book by Dr. Brian Weiss, uh, Many Lives, Many Masters, who says that um, all of us were somebody else at one time and we're gonna be somebody else when we, uh, when we pass away. And uh, those are the three books that are on my to-do list uh, to read in the next few weeks. Um, in addition to, I continue to re- reread my own book. Um, we are uh, coming out, as I announced two, or three months ago, with new product um, for uh, the end of the year, uh, around Christmas, hopefully, if not after the first of the year. Um, I'm asked um, uh, what are the su- super characteristics of uh, a super entrepreneur, or what are the characteristics of a super entrepreneur and is this a, t- a superman t-shirt and the answer is yes this is a superman t-shirt. He came in late. Um, the, um, I-, I believe I-, I mentioned in newsletters uh, in the last few months that um, the difference between a- a- earlier on in this uh, broadcast, the difference between millionaires and, and uh, billionaires is focus. Bidding their guys stay focused, and uh, and they're just you know laser beam focused. And as I said, uh, much of the chagrin of my uh, my wife and my kids when I was young. I mean, for 10 years straight, I was focused. I didn't think about anything else other than building up the company that uh, I founded. Um, the um, but um, it's hard to believe that uh, the guys that run uh, the uh, guy that runs Oracle. Uh, and, some, and some microsystems and a few other companies that have been there 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And the guy that runs um, Federal Express, um, Smith, Fred Smith, have been focused for 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years. Now, I I get emails all the time from guys and gals that have trouble staying focused for a week, a month, maybe a year and they wonder why they're not more successful. Um, I took a few days off recently uh, when I went to Transylvania, and I told the young mentee that I was with, um, this is the first time, this is the first time that I can remember that I took a few days off, three and a half to be exact, where there was nothing business orientated, nothing. Um, My internet wasn't that good, in uh, Transylvania. I don't think the Impaler um, Dracula used a, uh, a PC. and uh, But that's after almost 40 years of working. Certainly when I was his age, or when I was the age of most of the kids, and young men and women that are listening to me today, um, I didn't hardly take any time off. Uh, and uh, as, as, as I said in one or two e- e- uh, newsletters ago, the guy that a lawyer that I had a lot of admiration for, um, who has uh, had a reputation of never taking a day off from 1972 to 2001, I think it was. Uh, I went to have breakfast with him because I, I had heard about him, and I asked him to be on one of my boards, and he he couldn't. He said he didn't have time, but he wanted to meet me because I hadn't had a day off since 1971, and um, and I know especially for the European culture, three six weeks holidays very important and you, you say you're going to refresh your uh, recharge your batteries. I've probably heard that 10,000 times or maybe more, to recharge your batteries. Um, if you're less than 40, and you need to charge recharge your batteries, something's wrong. If you're less than 30, and you need to recharge your batteries, you need medical help. if you need to recharge your batteries you're in the wrong fucking business it's that simple if you're excited about what you're doing you don't need to recharge your batteries and when you're in your twenties and thirties if you can't work two or three or four days straight with little or no sleep you're not involved in something you love and if you're not involved in something you love the chances of you being super successful are pretty slim. Now I just turned sixty five. I don't feel sixty five other than I have, you know, a steel hip, titanium bolts, and a titanium bar where I crushed my clavicle once. But I can work as long and as hard as is as, as, as most kids. And when I see it's like when I see students to write me They take four classes, 16 units. Some take five three-unit classes. They don't have a job, their parents pay for them to go to school, and they can't get straight A's. I I don't understand. What do you do? Well, you drink and you cavort around, and I understand, I was once a student, but if you can't stay focused on that, then you're gonna have trouble taking that, and you should have fun, fun in school, kids, for the kids that are watching. If you're not having fun in school, then, I mean, something's wrong. But you still should be able to get good grades and, uh, and, and move forward. I was with a, a, a young girl the age of my daughter uh, who's the girlfriend of one of my mentees who had a full scholarship to go to, uh, to Harvard, and she didn't go. I don't know if you're listening, uh, but I, I said, if I had been her father and my daughter had a full scholarship to go to Harvard, and she's from uh, Europe, I would... Probably have a heart attack, and um, but um, she had her reasons, you know. And kids have a lot of reasons, and your reasoning and your rationale will turn into regrets when you're 35, 40, 45, and 50, because it's a huge differentiation. Even though I poke fun at Harvard and, and, and a lot of the Ivy League schools, but I mean, it's a great badge. It's a great entree to open the door, and uh, the. Um, and it gets back to, you know, we have regrets. And um, and I just found out she is listening. Well, sweetheart, you fucked up. And uh, she's a very bright, very pretty young girl. But um, we all make mistakes when we're young and we all got baggage. And God knows I've got a lot of baggage. But um, I used to have a chip on my shoulder from here to my shoulder blade because I didn't go to an Ivy League school when I was a kid. And then after the first kid that I had working for me that went to Harvard, Princeton, Columbia, Brown, Cornell, and Stanford, MIT, and Caltech, then I realized it wasn't such a big thing. That's only after I had success. When I was early in my career, I had a chip on my shoulder because I didn't go to a proper school, a proper school. I, I went to a school that you have to explain about, which is too long a story to, to tell you the, the, what it means to have to explain about. But Harvard, Princeton, Yale, you don't have to explain about, you don't have to explain about. Uh, yes, uh, and somebody just said, yeah, where I went to school is CSUN, California State University Northridge. You got to explain about that. There's 31 campuses, it's the biggest state university in America, yada, 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 yada. But uh, it's, it's not one of those prestigious schools certainly not although I got a pretty good education I think Uh, but uh, compared to a lot of others uh, I'm sure that they got a better education than I do Um, the um, somebody has asked about uh, expand based on my uh, Salesforce he's asking about partner affiliate programs on the internet Um, most of the big uh, sellers of any product or service on the internet use affiliate programs affiliate programs meaning like they are subsidiaries or they offer their product at a different price to the affiliates and then the affiliates go and market it. They spend the marketing money uh... and uh... drawing customers and then uh... the uh... The parent so to speak takes the, a, t- a percentage off the top and uh... the affiliates get the, normally uh... if it's done right the lion's share And some of the most successful internet guys and gals that i've seen can have tens of thousands of affiliates and that's where the big money's made. made um, the uh, and it's it's quite a remarkable process. As you know, i um, I was um, chairman uh, of one of the first cutting-edge internet companies uh, in the United States, 99 and 2000. And uh, the uh, and so I didn't realize it was cutting-edge at the time. I now know it was cutting-edge, but I didn't then. Uh, and uh, we, we tried to save it from bankruptcy. Uh, our team was brought in. The Guthrie Group was brought in uh, to try to save it. We were not successful. Uh, the bank took it, it closed it. But uh, we learned a lot in that year. That was Bruce Whipple, Sally Hall, and myself. We learned a lot. Um, the um, one of the one one of the worries, and I, I alluded to it earlier in in this, in this cast webcast, is that the problem with the internet is that there is no barrier to entry, and everybody can copy. Everybody can copy. But um, just as there's no barrier to entry and manufacturing in China. Any, any any idea that you can come up with today in the United States, United Kingdom, Eastern Europe can be knocked off by the Chinese in 72 hours, and uh, that's the beauty about the Chinese, and that's also the downside of the Chinese because they can knock it off at 72 hours and they can uh, they can produce, manufacture, ship for less than you can just manufacture wherever you are uh, because the the cost of labor is insignificant. Um, the, uh, it's just insignificant. Although, as I've said, I feel that the, the, um, the future is Asia. I think I might have told you I have a mentee named David Garofalo, who made quite a bit of money in about 2000, 2001, and I helped him out. He had a very successful company uh, that he took public in the UK. He was, I think he was even the uh, UK, uh, UK CEO of the Year on the AIM listing, which is the secondary market uh, underneath the London Stock Exchange and um, he uh, he is a shareholder of Berkshire Hathaway, and I asked him uh, when he went to the shareholders meeting when he met Mr. Uh, Hathaway, which I guess he's met before, and Mr. Uh, Munger, uh, right-hand uh, guy for uh, Mr. Hathaway, if you had it to do all over again, guys, he's having lunch with him, apparently 15, 18 people at a lunch table, if you had it all to do over again and you were young, what would you do? Let uh, David says, Mr. Munger and Mr. Hathaway, simultaneously, as if it was rehearsed, said, China, offshore, LLC, limited liability company. In other words, with money from offshore and a limited liability company, or the equivalent thereof, invest in China. And the young people, the people that are in their 20s and 30s and even really 40s, can't help but make a lot of money because... Uh, the growth potential there. Um, I like China more than I do India, even though we were in India two and a half, three years. Um, but uh, and now we've uh, been in China the last couple of years doing research for about a year and a half. And we're just getting ready to uh, publish a, a paper on uh, one of the Chinese markets that we like the most, uh, and uh, that's why my son Derek's been in Shanghai learning Chinese uh, since er- uh, the beginning of this year. And uh, and that's why uh, we're operating out of the Philippines, Manila, because I wanted to be able to be close to Singapore, Vietnam, China, uh, and uh, that there's a lot of potential. But you don't have to go to China to make a lot of money. You can stay right where you are. You've got to look for a market that needs, has a need, fill that need, be different if you can't be first, have a unique selling proposition, stay focused, with a dream team you don't have to go someplace but if you have the opportunity to go and if you have the desire to go then you should I met a young kid that went to um, uh, Duke a couple years ago in China when he graduated from Duke uh, with a degree in Chinese Chinese literature you can't do much with a degree in Chinese literature except teach Chinese uh, he got a one-way, he asked his parents, uh, they said, what do you want for graduations? I, said, I want a one-way ticket in and and, and one or two months. Excuse me. Hello? Yes. Jose, I'm on, the webca- I'm on a webcast. I'm sorry. I got to call you back. I thought that was somebody telling me my webcast didn't work. Uh, and they, they gave him uh, one or two or three months uh, living expenses and a one-way ticket. And he went to China, and uh, he's still there. He speaks Derek, almost Derek's my son, almost fluent Chinese after two and a half years. And um, the um, uh, I've had people attend this castle seminar with a one-way ticket, uh, you know. And so uh, it it depends, you know, how bad you want it. One of the things that what differentiates a, a billionaire from a millionaire is do you have a burning desire? I mean, do you really have, does it burn in your stomach that you want to be super successful? Uh, And um, most people talk about it, but not too many people actually do it because we all have reasons. We have mortgages, we have kids, we have um, uh, sick mothers. And I'm not saying you should shun all those responsibilities as a human being, but they certainly get in the way with success. They certainly do like, I tell people uh, that there's only two reasons for not getting something done that you tell me you're going to get done. Only two. Coma. Death. That's it. Coma. Death. Now I hear, and I don't, I, I have no way of verifying this, that Mr. Jobs only has one excuse. Death. Not even a coma. So, when you think that just think that through in your own life. How easy is it for you to make excuses for not getting stuff done? How much do you procrastinate? How much do you allow people to procrastinate? I'm you know I'm tough on my own kids. You know my son I don't know if he'll email or put anything on the, uh, the chat right now. But you know I I'm I'm tough on my kids, you know, and uh, I'm tough on everybody. But that's the only way I know if you want to succeed. If you don't want to succeed and if you don't want to f- fulfill your dreams and you don't want to uh, have a better life than you got now, then you shouldn't be listening to this goddamn webcast. You shouldn't be you know reading my website. You shouldn't be buying anybody's tapes. You should save yourself a lot of money and a lot of goddamn heartache and not go to seminars and read bo- success books. And you ju- it, because you just might not, you, you just as well not do that. Because all you're gonna do is, is cause yourself frustration uh, and anxiety and heartache. And then by the time you get to the end of your life, those regrets that I talked about in my newsletter from just a, uh, uh, a few, uh, two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Let's see, uh, let's see if I can answer, how about uh, somebody wants to know, how, how? what about selling to China? Well. I hate to give uh, uh, publicity to uh, somebody that I helped a long time ago, but the CEO Club of America, run by a guy named Joe Mancuso, who I call Smokin' Joe, because he's smoking mirrors. He has developed a, a great brand in the CEO Club, uh, especially in China, in Asia. and he's, In fact, he's going to China uh, uh, in November, and my son and I, are, uh, Derek, are going to meet him uh, in um, uh, Shanghai and principally they're taking CEOs, manufacturers, etc. to meet um, people to sell stuff in China. The, um, he's taken, I think, I may be getting this, the numbers wrong, 800 people in the last 10 or 12 years to China, CEOs or manufacturers of, uh, of objects to sell stuff uh, in China. He's been very successful, and, uh, but that's one way. Uh, but I mean the internet, I mean virtually everything's on the internet. Uh, you can see um, that there are uh, uh, most people have p- things manufactured in China and then ship out, but um, they do. Um, a lot of people do sell into China. I mean, all the big companies, IBM, Siemens, you know, um, World Dutch Shell. I mean, they all sell into China. Um, but it's it's more difficult to set up a Chinese company. is not easy. The barrier to entry for China, which is very smart actually, and they manage. Their country through this financial crisis better than virtually anybody is they make it extremely tough to get into China and they make it fairly tough to get money out of China not impossible but tough and in that way and because they support their own economy with money because they've got a lot of money because they lend to the American they lend to everybody else uh, they have been able to bolster up their uh, financial markets the, the challenge for them is they bolstered up the financial markets vis-a-vis real estate too high, in my opinion, and they're, I mean, it's way overvalued. Uh, Shanghai is New York City on steroids. Uh, you know, there's estimates between 25 and 30 million people in Shanghai. I mean, it, it, the city runs 24-7. In fact, they say the Westerners are killing the work ethic of the Chinese because up until a few years ago, the Chinese person that worked, he got one mm-hmm. half a day off twice a, a month. You got half a day off twice a month. Now, um, some fans just going by the window. Now, they get, they only work six days a week, and some of the progressive Chinese companies are uh, having them only work uh, five days a week. But what they don't tell you, those five days a week, they're working 12, 15 hours a day. Uh, I like the model. Uh, I say this slightly tongue-in-cheek so I don't get a bunch of negative emails. Six and a half days a week, Uh, 12 to 15 hours a day. I I, I came up uh, with a uh, new pennyism. It wasn't really my idea. It's a religious order that came up with it. Uh, What is the definition of um, privilege? W-O-R-K. Work. And I say, hard work. And uh, I think there's another saying, the only place um, that success comes before work is in the uh, alphabet. Is that right? W X R. Anyway, I, I might have got that ass backwards. Um, but another thing, I see another question. What 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 are the secrets? And there are no secrets. There are only mysteries of the billionaires vis-a-vis the millionaires vis-a-vis the rest of the, you guys. Is that the high-performance person is not afraid and goes out of his way to engage in self-deprecating actions. I poke fun at myself all the time. Um, I tell people a lot of time I'm wrong, well, I was wrong about that, I stand corrected. Um, most of the middle wealth guys that have made a little money or gals never admit that they're wrong, will not allow themselves to get any constructive criticism because they believe all criticism uh, is criticism, not construct, including constructive criticism. And uh, the um, and, and you, you can't succeed. You can't be a good decision maker unless you back made bad decisions. And God knows i made a lot of bad decisions early on in my career. I haven't made too many since I'm you know 45 or 50, but I certainly make a whole hell of a lot of them when I was in my 20s and 30s. But I wasn't afraid to swing at the bat. I wasn't afraid to uh, uh, get up and sometimes make a fool of myself. Um, and that was harder when I was younger uh but now when i gave a speech in, in, in Shangsha, china last year and it was on te- uh, chinese television it's on my website um and uh i i normally make uh, two or three jokes the first five to seven minutes of a speech and i made a joke and i'm looking at 120 ceos sitting they all look alike to me and i don't mean that as a racist comment they just all look alike and nobody laughs Whenever I take a glass of water and I'm thinking like this, Jesus. Okay, so then I, I go for, with another joke. Nothing. And I I had a, a slide behind me, the best investments that I've ever managed. And they're pretty impressive numbers. But the numbers were so huge, yeah. when you multiply them times the RMB, the Chinese currency, they were 400 kazillion, mm-hmm. jajillion, they, they couldn't relate to them. So then I switched to the worst investments I ever made, which I didn't have a slide for those. But and uh, and then I said uh, that, um, and they weren't laughing. Still not laughing. So I turned to my interpreter, and and I'm I'm t- uh, saying two, a sentence, and then he'd say, and then I'd say a sentence, and he'd say. And then I turned to uh, this guy named Mike Hugh. Do they understand the the, the concept of divorce? And divorce is a very very uh, tender spot in my heart because I am divorced. Uh, and uh, didn't want to be divorced, but that's a whole other story. And I said, do did, they um, did understand divorce? And the guy says, yes. So then I said, okay, well, since you don't seem to understand good investments and the bad investments I have here now, and then I said, is divorce legal in China? And he said, yes. And I said, for those of you that have been divorced, you realize what a bad investment really is. Everybody laughed. Everybody laughed, and then I went on with my talk and uh, the, uh, they, uh, they seemed to catch, I, I gained c- traction finally. And then when we interviewed people the next two, two, two and a half days, uh, we made a lot of headway. Um, but um, China's barrier to entry is not many people are over there speaking. And uh, I was one of them and um, they seemed to like me because that day, that next morning that I came back again, uh, unlike America, how long would it take them to put together a DVD of a bunch of speakers and the, 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 the frame and the, the picture and all that stuff? Nine o'clock in the morning at breakfast, they handed me a DVD, and it was the DVD for the conference, and it had they picked me as the, uh, the cover of the, of the DVD because they said I looked more presidential than the other speakers, whether that was true or not. It was nice. And they apologized because it was an hour late because they had promised me it would be there by 8 in the morning and it didn't get to me till 9 in the morning. So that means there were Chinese working all night to get it together because it had to be edited, it had to be translated, and it had to be put together. And that's the difference. That project in America would take two weeks to two months. In China, they got it done in about 11 hours. And that's why the the competition is so fierce. It's so fierce there. And that's why the opportunities are so fierce. One of the uh, industries that we looked at there was internet education, which is gonna be huge. We haven't had time to focus on that. But uh, internet uh, um, education is gonna be huge there. And it'll probably be the next thing that we go after, after the uh, current one. And I don't wanna let the cat out of the bag because we're gonna come out with this paper. And I'm sure we'll put it on our website. But to the best of my knowledge, it's the first in-depth study that has been done of this certain industry in China that we've done, and uh, we worked on it um, about uh, all together from the beginning to the end, about 18 months, and it's going to be published in the next few weeks. And um, so that will be our opening entree to Chinese businesses, UK, US financial institutions, um, because a lot of people want to, to invest there. But we also looked, or I, I've looked at uh, South America, and in two weeks we're going to South America. I'm going to Buenos Aires, Rio. I'm also going to look at the Incas and the Galapagos Islands while I'm there, but uh, at some opportunities uh, in South America because Brazil is just booming. It's, just, it's, 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 it's like on uh, steroids as well. So there's a lot of opportunities, but you don't, again, you don't have to go there. I talked about in my last newsletter a young guy that I've known about five, six years. But when I met him, he was driving a limo. Now he's making movies in Hollywood. He he actually was a pizza maker. He went from Mike the pizza boy to Mike the producer. Laser beam focused. As I said in my newsletter, he listens to the tapes constantly. Uh, He tells me he's going to come to the seminar in October. I hope he does. Uh, And because uh, we changed it from August to October, we had some fallout, so we got some spaces, uh, I'm told, uh, by my office. Um, But uh, he's gone from making pizzas... And six years to making movies. And um, the good thing about the pizza business is it was a big margin business. But the thing about the movie business is if it's a profitable movie, it's a big margin business. If it's not a profitable movie, you lose your ass. And having been in the movie business many, many years ago, I was on the losing ass end of the continuum. I didn't make money there, so I left quickly and licked my wounds and and went on to to do other things. do you still have financial uh, goals? Yes. Do you still have a personal mentor? No. Um, my mentors, um, uh, Costa Grazos, Jerry Ormond, and uh, Jim Newman are all passed away. Uh, I have another mentor, uh, Bob Donato, who gave me my first job on a Wall Street firm who I just spent a few days with in Newport, uh, Rhode Island, uh, who has been an inspiration to me uh, for 35 plus years. Um, and um, my financial goals are I want to see my kids financially successful without me I want to see all the business ventures that I'm still involved with financially successful uh, with me uh, and I want to um, have uh, at least two or three more grand slam home runs in the years I choose to continue to work uh, and I don't know if that's going to be, uh, how many years that is, because I'm, I'm very healthy and I feel good. But so I still have goals. And one of the things, and I see on these these messages on the chat board, I measure, when I talk to a young man, young woman, middle age, whatever, I measure the conversation by how much they talk about the past, their memories, in relationship to their dreams, their future. And I'm much more inclined to get involved with a, a business uh, arrangement with somebody that has more dreams than memories. I certainly have a lot of memories, a lot of great memories, and so, some not so great memories. But uh, I still am uh, young enough in my mind to have dreams, and there's things I still want to do. You know, um, I look out my window, and I'm going to turn the camera here for a second. I look out my window. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but that's a Bentley, a new Bentley. And if you get a little higher, I don't know if you can see it. That's an Aston Martin. Now, I didn't, oh, and that's the uh, first hole of the golf course out there, out of the, my office window. I didn't, only in recent years, because I've had Rolls um uh, since, ni- since I'm 25 years old, uh, but I decided that uh, I needed to have some other things I wanted to get. Uh, And so I said you know when I do this I'll buy a new Bentley and when I do this I'll buy uh, uh, an Aston Martin As it turned out somebody a business partner bought me the Bentley and so I didn't have to buy the Bentley But I still have goals. I mean uh, there's there's things uh, that you know that I want to do and um, I'm still looking at transactions. I look at a lot of deals uh, And I'm still looking for you know um, Not the next me because I don't expect anybody to be like me, but the next super high-performance person and I've been blessed, as I put in the, uh, in the newsletter uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've coached global 20 CEOs where we came up with a goal and in eight years he became CEO of the 20th largest company in the world with a half a million employees. Uh, and I've had, you know, uh, uh, movie stars uh, uh, and I've had world-class athletes and, uh, and I've had a whole bunch of really successful things uh, and that far outweigh the not so successful things. But I've also had people that worked so hard that they had nervous breakdowns and they collapsed, you know. And uh, because we have two bank accounts in life, kids, like I've told you, you've got a financial bank account and you've got an emotional bank account. And the emotional bank account's the most important. And connected to the emotional bank account is your self-esteem, your self-worth. Um, and though the emotional bank account is what gets you through the tough times, what gets you through uh, the anxiety, uh, which get, what gets you through... You know, um, being scared. Um, I have a um, uh, mentees, uh, the Verdeers, who I talk about all the time, George and Deanne, they came up with an idea, a concept of uh, a barf bag, a, a, a QLA barf bag. Because most of you that are typing in this chat thing and most of you that are listening to me have never been involved in a transaction or a deal so far outside your comfort zone that it made you sick to your stomach where you threw up. Before the meeting, you, have, you had to toss your cookies. Most of you that are on the chat thing and read my newsletters have never been in a deal that was literally life or death, financially, most of you. And I'm not saying, you, but the, the closer you get to those extremes, the higher the probability that you're going to be successful the higher the probability that you're going to do what it takes. There's a difference, and I've told my my children this, and my business partners know this. When Dan Dan Pena tells you, I'll do whatever it takes, that's a different order of magnitude than when your brother-in-law says, yeah, I'll get it done. When I'm sure when Trump, Jobs, Branson all these other guys that I've talked about and Ford and going back and Carnegie when they said I'll do whatever it takes it was a different level of commitment and the difference I see between my generation and the generations that have come after me are commitment their definition of commitment Bruce Whipple and I although he's a few years younger than I am have the same level of commitment and going the extra mile I mean uh, and they it's different you know young kids in their 20s, and this is an exaggeration, and I don't mean to paint a, a brush against all people in their 20s, but when a guy 28 or 29 says, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes, he means uh, if I don't have a hangover, if I'm not loaded up on fucking drugs, uh, if it's convenient between my tennis and my golf lessons, uh, if my girlfriend, uh, you know, uh, 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 had, had been giving me regular sex, I mean, that's his level of commitment. When a guy's in his 30s and early 40s, he means, yeah, I'll get whatever done. done. Uh, unless I have to take my daughter to the ballet. Unless I have to take my son to the dentist. Unless I have to take my wife to the therapist. Or unless we got to go to family counseling. There's a difference in level of commitment. When I tell you it's going to get done, it's going to fucking get done. Coma, death. Coma, death. And... You want to know the difference between the billionaires and the millionaires? Commitment. The guys that are super successful are super committed. And I'm I'm privileged that I'm still committed. I'm not as committed as I was in my 40s, admittedly. I'm not. I don't, you know, I just it's it's tough to work 20 hours a day for 60 days in a row now. But it's certainly not tough to work 20 hours a day for a week or 10 days. I'll do that, Uh, but I just can't stay focused for two or three months. That's why my specialty is the red zone. When you get the ball to the 20-yard line and you want to kick it into the goddamn net, I'm the guy that you come to. I'll get it in the net by hook or by crook. I may have to bash your teeth in, cut your ear off, threaten you, but we'll get the ball in the net. Now, just think about that. And all of a sudden, everybody's dried up on their chatting. How many are willing to make that kind of commitment? How many want success to be a high-performance person that badly to make that kind of commitment? I leave you with that question. God bless. We'll see you in a few weeks.